Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Mavs. This is Alexander Tosopoulos, normally with my co-host Wyatt Huskins, but today I am flying solo as Wyatt is embarking upon a new professional journey. He will still be with the Believe in Mavs podcast, um, but he is doing some cool production work for a live tv show in the austin area so if you follow him make sure to reach out on his dms congratulate him coming to you live on monday morning um after two games over the weekend for the mavericks they played the pelicans on saturday night without zion without brandon ingram and uh and without cj mccollum as well they ended up winning that game cutting the gap with the pels getting closer to them in the standings um, but then they lose a game without Luca against the Oklahoma City Thunder and a back-to-back on Sunday. Um, I'm going to recap the Pels game a little bit, talk about some of my takeaways from that one, go over to the Thunder, talk about you know what this team looks like without Luca when he's not on the court, and uh, and then we'll get into a little bit of previewing the West Coast road trip that they're about to make. They play the Clippers on Tuesday, the Lakers on Thursday. I'm actually based out of LA, so I am hoping to go to that Lakers game on Thursday night. Um, that you know, always an exciting thing when you get to see LeBron and and Luca. Knock on wood that both those guys play um, in person, and then they get back to backs um, against the Portland Trailblazers. So, some, I mean, I, I describe them as tough games coming up here. A, a good test, especially from a personnel standpoint. You know, the Clippers, the Lakers. Um, they but both those teams definitely have some wings to to deal with, and then got the Blazers. Jeremy Grant's been playing really good basketball, and then of course you know you're always having to deal with that double headed backcourt of Simons and Damian Lillard, of course. But um, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll start it off with the the Pelicans and uh, that win, 127-117 in favor of the Mavericks. You know they, I thought they, um, I thought they handled this Pelicans team pretty well. They, of course, you know, they they didn't, again, they didn't have to deal with C.J. McCollum. They didn't have to deal with Brandon Ingram. Jonas Valanciunas did some work in the paint. Um, Herb Jones and Dyson Daniels combined guarded Luka pretty well, given, you know, I think you know, worth mentioning that Luka is still kind of dealing with this, this ankle. I don't know what the severity of the injury is. Um, certainly don't think that you know, it's not that it wasn't bothering him and, and why he rested against the Thunder, but he's working through it, right? It's it's nothing too serious here. But, you know, Luke had another 30-point triple-double. He played another 40 minutes in this game. Spencer wasn't necessarily his best, but we got some great minutes from from Hardy off the bench. We got some great minutes from JaVale McGee. Um, Hardy is really turning into, the more and more I see him on the court, he's turning into a player that is going to be valuable um, when it comes to the playoffs from a scoring standpoint, from a shot creation standpoint off the bench to alleviate some sort of pressure in this second unit with Dinwiddie. I I think that, you know, last show I said when I was on with Wyatt that he wasn't going to be a guy that's playing a lot in the playoffs and that we would actually see McKinley Wright get minutes ahead of him in the playoffs. And I am, I'm flipping on that stance because I I don't necessarily think I've seen enough from McKinley from an offensive standpoint to warrant that he gets minutes, um, especially in a playoff series. But 
Hardy is, you know, he's he's breaking down guys. Herb Jones is a is an all NBA defender. Um, Dyson Daniels has has really good length, and even guys like Najee Marshall, who he was up against, and um, Jose Alvarado. Obviously, we know how pesky of a defender he is. So I, I just really I think that Hardy is showing that he can score at a true professional level. Yeah, so I mean he's he's got the ability to drive even on guys who are bigger than him. I think he has clearly put in a lot of work with God Sham God from a ball handling standpoint, from um a, a utilization of his physicality standpoint. I mean, he is getting into the lane. He's finishing with both hands on both sides of the rim, right hand, left hand, Euros in the paint. Um, and I hope that he can also really, in the same way that Jalen Brunson gained a lot of things by playing alongside Luca, you know, added things to his bag. I hope that Hardy is being a sponge in that locker room and really seeing how, you know, Spencer is able to get a first step on guys, use his body and his elbows to kind of get around a defender when he sees an edge, right? How Luca is able to play with pace and go fast, slow, fast. Um, how he's just just all those different guys. And he and even Wood, um, who I think, you know, utilizes that that Euro step really, really well when he's playing on a smaller defender. So it really exciting to see Hardy get those minutes to see the Mavericks get a win against the Pelicans at the Smoothie King Center in a way in a way win, which, you know, we don't we don't often get with this Mavericks team. Then uh, you know, on Sunday, as I mentioned, we played the Thunder. Shea Gilgis Alexander put up 30 plus points. We end up losing that game, but we're without Luca. And I to me, I really felt like this was a game that we should have won, even without him. I like some of the young talent on this Thunder team. Shea is turning into currently I'd have him on top 15 players in the NBA. They've got a lot of good young players like Jalen Williams, rookie for them, great length. Um, there was a play where Hardy beat his man and Jalen Williams was the help side defender. And we're talking about the guy out of Santa Clara, not the guy out of Arkansas. They have two guys named Jalen Williams on their team. And uh, and he was able to you know come from that weak side and, and block Jaden Hardy's shot. Lou Dort, tremendous catch and shoot, three and D guy. Giddy, who I was really, really impressed with. He only had 10, 5, and 5. Um, he was in foul trouble a lot in this game. But what he was able to do to kind of turn it up, turn up his his caliber of play in the fourth quarter alongside Shea and really just close this game out um, was the difference, I felt. And, you know, when you're in crunch time situations and the opposing team has the better players on the court, I think that makes a difference. Um, I really would have liked to have seen Christian be more aggressive in that first half. We started the first quarter scorching from the field. I mean, we were hitting basically every single shot we were taking, especially our three-pointers. But I think he only attempted eight shots in the first half. And on a night where Luka is not playing, I think you have to assert yourself and really show that you're the second best player on this team. He ended up with 27 and 16. I appreciate that he was really aggressive on the glass. I felt like he you know, continues to be more and more aggressive um, and I imagine this is something that Kid has asked of him on the defensive side to be a rim protector and to own the paint. And I thought he was doing that once again, but I don't know. I just, you know, when when the Thunder are rolling out a bench unit of Isaiah Joe, Aaron Wiggins, Trey Mann, Mike Muscala, Eugene Omarui, who, you know, last year, of course, was on the Mavericks until we had that little COVID stint and we ended up cutting him because of the foot injury. I, 
I just think that our guys have to take advantage of that. And ultimately, if you look at these rosters side by side, I'd still take as pros, Tim Hardaway, Spencer, even Dwight Powell, Christian Wood, ahead of, of all the guys on this Thunder team, except for Giddy, Shea, Jalen Williams. And of course, you know, this team is going to be really interesting when they get Chet back uh, next year. And it was a shame that he got hurt before the season started. Shout out to Kenrick Williams. I actually thought that he had a really good game. Um, this is a team that they know what they're doing. I mean, they're they're building this Thunder team. They're building this roster to be able to shoot threes, have everybody on the floor, handle, pass, shoot, and defend um, at, at a decent clip. And I think they're still missing a lot from this roster, and they're definitely missing a lot of experience. Um, but it was a bummer to not not come away with the win. I think it would have been a huge motivating tool for our team to win one without Luca. Uh, this season, we've we've now gone to zero and four without him. So when he doesn't play, you know, we we are ailing. Um, but we had a stint last season without Luca for a while. And and obviously it's a different story when you have Jalen Brunson, who, you know, is a guy that the Knicks were willing to to pay and kind of give give the keys to the Ferrari. And it's not really a Ferrari in New York, but you get the analogy. Um, and, and we don't necessarily have that guy. I think Spencer ended up with 21 points and eight assists, but in that first half, again, I did not feel like he had a great command of the offense um and he doesn't open things up in the same way that Jalen Brunson does for other guys playing around him obviously we know that Spencer is an ISO scorer that's what he does and that's what he does best um and he has stepped into this role alongside Luca as a spot and shoot guy but it, it, it's not the same when he's you know really manning the helm Tim I thought shot the ball really really well um Hardy had some moments where he looked pretty good. I, I thought he, he didn't regress, but he showed, you know, some of, he showed that he's a rookie in some of the moments here in this game against the thunder. You're playing on their home court. Of course, you're not going to get all the calls that you want. Um, I, I thought that, you know, per usual, we, we, we were foul hunting a bit and we weren't getting those calls and that worked against us. Um, especially when the thunder got that, that gap late in the second quarter. Um, but it, it's just a shame, you know, to, to shoot relatively well from three, you go 14 for 39, 36%. I think we probably hit 10 of those in the first half. Um, you know, we're, we're starting to get better collectively as a team from the line, 78% in this game, 33 for 42. I mean, realistically, like we got a lot of calls, so uh, there's nothing we can really complain about. I mean, we, we shot 22 more free throws than them on their home court. Um, so this was just a team that, that shot really well. They shot almost 50% from the field over 40% from the three. I thought they were getting a lot of quality looks and they dominated us in the pain. A team that likes to drive a lot, got 56 on us in the pain. And you know, that that's to our 24 points. So I, again, like there are going to be more games where Lucas sits this season, especially if, you know, he continues at this, this usage rate, the high volume that he's been playing and being depended on for this Mavericks offense and when those opportunities present itself for other guys to kind of step up, I think they need to they need to rise to that challenge. And we don't have to turn into an ISO ball. You know, every other guy spots up and doesn't move, doesn't cut. And so I think there's still adjustments that need to be made from from Kid and the staff in those games without Luca, which we will have throughout the rest of the season. Um. You know, let, let's talk a little bit. Let's pivot here and talk a little bit about 
the trade rumors that are floating around uh, all through Mavs Twitter and just the the Mavs zeitgeist right now. I've seen first and for- foremost, you know, the the main trade that I've seen is this Karis Levert for Tim Hardaway, straight up. And it seems right now that this is really like in the Mavericks court, whether or not they want to pull the trigger on this. And I'm torn because you would think in a vacuum that Karis LeVert is a better player. He's bigger. He's got more length from a, from a defensive standpoint. Um, He's more of, uh, he is a two, but he's a guy that can kind of float a little easier to the three, especially defensively in comparison to, to Tim, who I think is, essentially just a true two, just a, you know, he's a, he's a spot shooter. He's a guy that can pump on a, on a closeout, but normally he's going to sidestep three from there, or he'll take a one dribble pull up. Um, he was forced, I guess, in this game against the thunder to try and get to the cup a little bit more, but he's not a guy that shoots at a high percentage on contested layups. Harris Levert is better with the ball in his hands. He's a better playmaker. He's a better, he's got, he's a better dribbler. He's a better shot creator for himself. He is absolutely not a better spot-up three-point shooter than Tim Hardaway is. He's not a better contested three-point shooter than Tim Hardaway is. And that's where I, I worry because you do have to formulate and form this roster for the present and also for the future. And I think pulling a guy like Tim Hardaway away from our starting lineup and replacing that with Karis LeVert, hypothetically, if he is a starter, he comes, we trade for him, he's starting for us. He does not pair as well with Luka on the court as Tim Hardaway does. Now, I think if you want to say, okay, but if Spencer's starting, do we trust Karis LeVert to lead a second unit more than we do Tim Hardaway? Sure, because he, as I mentioned, he can dribble better, he can pass better, and he can create for others in in a better way. The shot selection is a major key in the fact that I am just kind of on the fence in in doing a deal like this. Um, I get the deal from the Cavs standpoint. They need more three point shooting from their wing positions. They are not getting what they what they need. They need more floor spacers for guys like Darius Garland uh, and Donovan Mitchell so that they can create lanes for those guys and they can take advantage of that. So they can create lanes for you know, high post matchups with Evan Mobley. I just, I I would much rather, to me, the most appealing trade for this Mavericks team right now, and I know most Mavs fans are probably against this just because you're giving up draft positioning, but I would trade that that 2027 first and Davis Bertans to the Pistons for Bogdanovich. I would do it. I know he's 33. I know, you know, he is not, there's not much more he can do to get better as a player. Um, he's been playing quite well this season. He's averaging over 20 points. He's shooting over 40% from three. He's got the European connection with Luca. He can be, as far as available players go, you know, Buddy Heald, we'll see if the Pacers are willing to shop him. It sounds like they are. But as far as available players go from a catch and shoot, from a contested three-point shooting, I'm talking about Tim Hardaway. Bogdanovich is just a better version of that. And he's got more size than him. I think he's maybe a little bit less willing to do the nitty gritty work on defense, like a guy like Tim, but Tim's not even in this package, right? And most importantly, it moves us off this Davis Bertans contract. 
Um, and, and if we have to give up a first, I mean, I'd like to kind of pivot and see if Troy Weaver would make the move, even if we protect it. But we're, we're talking about 2027, right? It, it's 2023, and Bogdanovich's contract lasts through the end of next season, that extension that he had with the Pistons, a two-year extension, paying him around $20 million per year. I just think that that offense that you get from Bogdanovich and that's a guy that, you know, I'm talking about Karis LeVert. He could lead the second unit by himself or alongside Spencer Dinwiddie. He could do that. Um, and you could you could even throw Hardy in there together if all three of those guys are on the court, right? And Hardy can be guarding the opposite teams one or two. Same thing with Spencer. And then Bogdanovich can be guarding the three because he's got that size at 6'8". I, I just think you got to make that move. There's something lacking with this Mavs team from a personnel standpoint. And... I would mortgage the future that's that far away. I wouldn't I wouldn't send a 2026 pick, but I'm comfortable sending that 2027 pick. And obviously we don't have our first round pick this season. Uh, you know, we're not going to finish low enough in the standings for us to to get that back from New York. So they're still going to end up with that. So that that's the move that I really would make. And I get the concerns, but if it's available to get off of that Bertans contract for a guy that you know can play valuable minutes in a playoff series, who I've talked about with Wyatt, I thought he was their best player in that Jazz Mav series last season. I mean, Mitchell was good on offense, but I thought that he was he underperformed for you know especially what we're seeing now what he's able to do on this Cavs team. I mean, uh, of course he was probably a little unmotivated, and I think that some of that had to do with playing with Gobert. But Bogdanovich was able to to score on us um, and score pretty efficiently. And clearly he's shooting the ball well right now. You talk about a guy like Levert. You're talking about guys like Fred Van Vliet, who has played well in the last two weeks, a guy like John Collins. And I'm just mentioning guys that have been rumored as possibilities for the Mavericks to go after. You're banking on teams selling low on these guys and that they will eventually reach, you know, regress to the mean and be playing better basketball that we've seen them do in previous seasons. But there's that. I mean, we're we're almost halfway through the NBA season. You don't have that much time for these guys to write the ship. I'd rather go for a guy like Bogdanovich, who is having a really good season, who, if you bring him on this current iteration of the Mavericks, I think becomes immediately your third best player on this roster. And on any given night, could be your your second best player on this roster. I, I'd like to say that Christian Wood over the last month has solidified himself as the second best player on this Mavericks roster, which in that case, you know, and I think everyone feels the same way. Can we please extend him? Even if it's at the four years at this point, forget the two year, let's get him on the four year. If we're paying him 17, 18 million a year. I like that. He's the best duo piece that Luca has played with thus far in his young NBA season. I don't know why you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to keep that guy on your team. Um, He likes being in Dallas. He is enjoying his time, his confidence, I mean, at this point, on his catch-and-shoot threes, I feel like they're going in. And there are not many guys on the Mavericks where I feel that way about. I really only feel that, you know, Luca's turnaround jumpers, when he gets guys in the post, are going in every single time. That's the only shot that any Mavericks player shoots where I feel, where I have the utmost confidence that it's going to go in. Well, Luca in the paint, obviously, but that's kind of besides the point. But the catch-and-shoot three... From Christian Wood, I mean, I he's shooting so well. He's so efficient. Um, he is really picking his spots. He's not forcing the issue. And he has grown so much 
from a defensive standpoint. And I think, you know, you got to give some credit to, to kid and the rest of the staff there. But if you bring in Bogdanovich, you've got Luca, you've got wood, you've got Bogdanovich, you've got Spencer, you're maintaining and retaining Tim in that scenario, right? If you're shipping off Davis Bertans and then you've got, you know, you've got Dorian Finney Smith and you've got Josh green, who hopefully when they return from injury, they look like they did, you know, previous to their injury, well, at least for Josh Green. And then Dorian, I think, you know, he has a level that he can get to that we saw him get to last season. I think he's three points shy of what he was averaging last season, but that shooting will fall. And I, I trust him, right? I trust his clutch ability. He had some clutch shots, a couple game winners last season. Um, and obviously, you know, he he's the best wing defender that we have on our team. So he's indispensable in that regard. Reggie Bullock, I think, I think his time has passed. Um, with the Mavericks, but I just don't see anybody wanting him, you know, another roster. I don't know what we would get for him a second at best, just a, or, or, or cash consideration. Um, I don't think we need to make that move. If that's the case. See if he can, you know, work himself into shape on the defensive side and we can utilize him limited minutes, uh, in a playoff series down the stretch and, you know, not have to play him 35 minutes. And that'll happen once Josh Green and Dorian come back. But yeah, that's that's where I am on on kind of the trade rumors. Um, you know, the Miles Turner thing, I just don't know what we would have to give up. And if you're talking about two first round picks, the 2027 and an earlier pick, 2026, that's where I I get a 2025. That's where I get a little dicey with it. Um, but if it's just the 2027 for Miles Turner, I don't know player wise. In that point, we'd probably have to give up Tim. Um, I'm not really willing to give up wood. I I'm pretty dead set on the extension for him and that needs to get done. So that's, that's where I am on, on both of those. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically, I've got for all the trade rumors. I think I'll, you know, just move along to the Clippers and the Lakers. It's going to be a tough stretch here, but the West is so, it's so stacked altogether from, from the five seed to about the 10 seed. And I'm going to pull up the standings right now, but you know, both of these are going to be at the crypto center. I think that the way that this Lakers team is playing, this would be a huge, huge game. Obviously we have a contentious relationship with this Clippers team. You know, they're in the seven spot right now. They're 21 and 21. They are 10 and 12 on the road. They're 11 and nine at home. So I think, what that shows to me, if you look across the Western Conference, most of these teams are playing quite well at home. And the Kings and the Clippers, both two games above 500 at home, is a little bit of an outlier. I mean, you've got the Mavs. The Mavs are 16 and six at home. The Pels are 17 and five. Grizzlies, 16 and three. Nuggets, 16 and three. The Warriors, 12 and eight. Sorry, 17 and four. The Warriors are, have been fantastic at home. The, even the Suns are 14 and seven. Timberwolves, 12 and nine. Blazers, nine and six. The Lakers and the Clippers. Clippers have been 11 and nine at home. Lakers, 10 and eight. To me, this is a game where you have to go in and get a team that is vulnerable at home and take advantage of, at least against the Lakers, having a better roster. We don't get to say that very often about this Mavericks team. It's LeBron James. Anthony Davis is still hurt. Thomas Bryant has been excellent in the paint. But Christian Wood needs to get in there and he needs to kick ass like he did on Christmas Day. 
And I think that is a very winnable game for us. The Clippers, um, you know, they're a team that the personnel for them really matches up well against us. Obviously, they've got the the wing depth with Kawhi and PG and Terrence Mann to throw a bunch of bodies at Luka. Uh, Nicholas Batum, of course. I just think, you know, they're on a six-game losing streak. Get them while they're down, right? We Yes, we lost this game against Thunder. Luka wasn't playing. Luka comes back. He should be healthy. He should be fresh. Take advantage of this game. Then you get one night's rest. But you're not going anywhere. You're staying in L.A. Hopefully, uh, Jay Kidd and Luka don't go too hard tonight. <laughs> you know, watching that TCU-Georgia game. Um, I'm excited. Hopefully, during that broadcast, we get to see them shown as I'm sure there's going to be numerous celebrities, athletes that are at that game. But, yeah, that's that's my feeling. And then we go to the the Trailblazers, who I think, you know, with what they have, they're going to throw Jeremy Grant. But outside of that, Luka should be hunting a matchup every single time on offense and exploiting it and getting Nurkic in switches, getting Dame in switches, Simons in switches. Um, and that's really a team that I think, you know, we can we can take care of. So I, I'd love to say that it's possible and feasible for us to to end this West Coast trip with a, a 4-0 record. Um, I do believe that it's possible. And then if we do, you know, we're sitting at 27 and 18 and, and we're, we're shooting the gap. Um, Pelicans are a game and a half ahead of us. And then the Grizzlies and the Nuggets are both four games ahead of us. So I think, you know, continue to, to pile up wins on, on teams that are beatable. Um, going to be tough games though, for sure, because we are on the road and, you know, we, we are 16 and six at home, but we're seven and 12 on the road. So I think this is a, a road streak where we can really, do some damage here and show our roster that they can win games on the road, um, that they can bring that energy defensively on the road, that they can hit shots in an opponent's stadium. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's basically all I've got. Next episode, we will be recapping that Clippers show probably Wednesday morning. Hopefully I have Wyatt Huskins back in the fold with me, Alexander Sopolis. Uh, again, that's Believe in Mavs show. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, shout out to all you MFFLs. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.